This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Psalm chapter, Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37, and we are finishing the chapter out this morning, starting with verse 31, They where Joseph has been sold into slavery to Egypt, and the brothers who perpetrated this terrible incident are trying to figure out how to tell their father what happened, and they've got a plan, and it's it's a it's a terrible plan. To tell you the truth, it is devious, and it reveals the true character and nature of many of his brothers, especially the leaders of his brothers. And as you're studying this, as you're looking through it, as you're as you're considering, it really is just a old story, but it opens the door in chapter 38 to a wonderful story of a life that is lived through faith and righteousness, a life that's lived properly a life that brings about good things and wonderful things. And so I would say to you that it is it is placing this family on hold while God elevates Joseph in Egypt to the right place so that he can, well, so that he can protect them and bring them into, into his plan. And ultimately, that's what the purpose of this is to carry out the plan. And so it says, so they took Joseph's tunic and they killed a kid of the goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. Notice they 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 took Joseph's tunic and killed a kid of goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. Now, obviously, in modern times, we'd be able to do a DNA test and say, and say, hey, this is goat's blood. But back then, blood was blood. It had the same color for every animal, and it it operated and acted in the same way. And when they killed that goat, I want you to notice it's a goat that they killed. They didn't kill a lamb. They killed a goat. And so it's in many ways, that's a picture of perpetrating a fraud. And then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it's your son's tunic or not? I love it. That question, do you taking it to him and saying, we found this. We're not sure whether it's his tunic or not. It almost has the essence of disdain in it. They act, I didn't really look at it. I don't, I didn't really care about that. Oftentimes when you're dealing with people, the things they don't say can be as informative as the things that they do say. And I found that to be the case in my life. Even when I'm counseling with someone or dealing with someone on an issue, many times if they say something to me to elicit a response, and I do not want to have them have that, get that response. I don't want to give them that response. I just remain silent and look at them. And oftentimes that gives them the answer without me saying a word. And speech and, and when we relate to each other and our ability to interact, sometimes people, there are people that feel like they have to meet every word with word. 
They have to deal with every situation directly. They've got to say something immediately or things will spin out of control. But the truth is that oftentimes our words mean things, our actions mean things, our facial expressions mean things, and our silence means things. And sometimes it's good to remain silent. In this situation, they're not remaining silent. They've got to sell a story. They can't just go and say, I don't know what happened to him. We didn't see him. He never made it out there. That would have been as good a response as anything. But the problem is, his dad would have probably sent them out hunting for him. And then they would have had to spend weeks and months and maybe even years out there looking for their brother. So they just wanted to put this whole story behind them and their brother be in Egypt and it be over. And so they sell the story. They take him the tunic and they They've ripped it up and they've placed blood on it and they say, is this, is this Joseph's tunic? And they know the dad would know because the dad had a close personal relationship with Joseph. The dad cared about Joseph and they know he's going to know that it's Joseph's tunic and they don't have to, they don't have to make an explanation. All they got to do is say, we found it and this is what happened. And, uh, and the fraud, the fraud prevails. It carries the day in this day. Notice what Jacob says. It says, and he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. There's no doubt about it. So that meant that this tunic was very unique. Obviously, I could take you any number of pieces of clothing and you wouldn't necessarily recognize them as any one individual's pieces of clothing. But this piece of clothing was very unique. And remember, that's the covering of sin. And so Joseph's tunic was a unique covering. And uh, and we're going to see that carry out in his life in Egypt, even though he's no longer going to have the coat of many colors. He is, and I want you to get that because we associate that with him so much, his coat of many colors. But the truth is that is gone. That is just a part of his youth. That's the uniqueness of who he was as a young man. As he grows and matures, as he grows in understanding and strength and wisdom, as he grows in his walk with God, and he's going to do that in Egypt. And notice he does that in the world. As he grows in that, his youth is set aside. And in many ways, it's utterly destroyed here. And he becomes who he's supposed to be apart from that. And oftentimes, a lot of people never, ever seem to get too far away from high school They never, ever seem to get too far away from the things that were them when they were young. But the truth is that's not how God has it for us. He wants us to be able to grow farther and farther past the things that we experienced when we were young, the things that we experienced even a year or two ago. He wants us to continually be striving forward and be moving forward. And it's not necessary that I have the covering that I had in the past. And it's not necessary that I have the life that I had in the past. God can open many doors. And so many people are afraid to even consider those doors and consider the possibility for fear that they might miss out. And I would say to you many times, because I talk to people about these things, they come to me and ask my opinion about them. I say to them, if you lose what you've got now in the process of seeking after what seems to be an opportunity God's given you for the future, If you lose what you've got now, what have you lost? If you lost something of such great value 
that there's no way you would be able to recompense that. And oftentimes the answer to that question, to tell you the truth, no. If I lost this, I could find something comparable to it later on. And if that's the answer and then there's a door open and, it's, and you feel like the Spirit may be opening that door for you, you ought to chase after it. And here we have a situation that's true even of Joseph. He lives in a household where his father loves him, where he's been elevated to a high. But the truth is all the people that are under him, to include his brothers and all the people in the family, there's nothing but division and strife there. And there's nothing but jealousy and hatred. And the truth is that his family is very dysfunctional. And his bro many of his brothers have major character flaws. And we see that, and we're going to continue to see that as the story unfolds. And even as Jacob blesses his sons, you're going to see that those character flaws carry out and they're a part of what they hand down to their children. And so these intense character flaws, this intense dysfunction, dysfunctionality, this inability to, to work together and this continual fighting that starts in every possible way, that starts in every possible way, that continual desire to, to try to beat each other out rather than work together is not a great situation. Sure, it's family, but it's not a great situation. He's going to go and he's going to, he's going to rise in Egypt and he's going to become someone of great importance in the kingdom. And he's going to experience some major difficulty. There's no doubt about that. He's going to experience that, but he's not going to, but he's not going to be devoured by it or destroyed by it. He's going to overcome it and he's going to become great things because he was taken away from these people. He would have never attained to or become anything close to what he is going to become had not this situation taken place and had not the door been shut for him to head back there in his life. And so this is a, in many ways, this is a fraud and a terrible thing. It's just an obvious example of the dysfunction of his family. But the truth is for him, it is a shut door. But that shut door behind him is preceded by an open door ahead of him. And he says, and he recognizes, he says, my son, a wild beast has devoured him. And remember, wild beast always is a picture of the demonic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. He says that Joseph has been ripped apart. The truth is that's not the case, but he feels that way. And oftentimes when you do that, break away from your family and go find what God has for you in the future. Go find the opportunities God has for you down the road. When you open the doors to the things that could be in your life down the road that you go, when you do, oftentimes it feels like you have to you've been torn to pieces of your past. Your past is just gone and it's never, ever going to come back. Well, I'll tell you this, that's not the case, that, that you're going to continue to get the good and the great things of your past. But the truth is that you have to do what the Bible says, and that is leave your father and mother and cling to the wife or cling to the relationship of the day that God has given you and go and become what you're supposed to be. And for me, as I was raising my children, I've always tried to push them to look for the opportunities that God has for them in this world and become who they're supposed to be because daddy and mama ain't going to be there forever, but to God he is. And I would rather them be very cognizant and understanding and have a real relationship with God in which he leads and guides them in their life so that when I'm not around or when I'm not there during the day, 
they can make those decisions based off of what God's telling them. It says, then Jacob tore his clothes. Notice we've got Reuben tearing his clothes and Jacob tearing their clothes. Why? Because it is a great loss for the family. It's a great loss because Joseph was quite at least one of, if not the brother of integrity, the brother that could be counted on, the person who is going to do the right thing. And so it is a great loss for the family and it is a great loss for Joseph, but it is a great, it's a great increase for the plan of God and the will of God and the body of Christ, the people of God in the world to come. It is a loss in the small, but it is a gain on the whole. And so he says, and all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. I, I missed verse 34. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. It, he recognized the greatness of his son. And the loss was overwhelming for him. And his sons and daughters, they cared about that. But notice they're all still there. They're not, they're not out there in the world becoming anything. They're hanging close to daddy. And I guess that's just a picture of the dysfunction that existed there. It says, now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar. Potiphar is an interesting person. His name is not actually a name. So many people have mentioned his name as a person, but his name is actually a animal name. It is a, it's a, it's an Egyptian name and it means one of several things. It either means, it either means like it says here, an officer, Pharaoh and captain of the guard, but it can also relate to a couple of other things. And it's important that you get it because Potiphar likely was as, as important a man in Egypt as you were going to find other than Pharaoh. Because the word Potiphar, it does mean captain of the guard. It means a person that is high as far as the bodyguard of the Pharaoh. He would have been the one who ordered and handled all the troops that would have been very close to Pharaoh, that would have been sworn, had sworn allegiance to Pharaoh. But Potiphar can also mean that cupbearer position where you also take care of not only the food that it, that is presented to Pharaoh, but you make sure that his clothes and his bedroom and everything else it's always safe that there's no cobras in the bed. There's no tarantulas placed in, in, in the tub. There's no place where something could bite and kill Pharaoh. You're also there to make sure that there's no poison laced in the clothes. He would have been over the very intimate things of Pharaoh, not just also the guards around him. He also, that word also can relate to a person who runs a prison. And in Egyptian terms, he would have also handled the jail, not the prison. And by the way, our modern day understanding of prison comes from our understanding of not only the penal system, meaning there's penalties for breaking the law, and there is a cost for that, a retributive cost for that, meaning justice is it gets retribution for what you've done. But also in modern day times, we see prison as a place where some kind of reformation can take place. And believe it, the truth is there are a lot of people who are in prison that do eventually change their life and become something, something in the world and become active and good and solid members of society. 
That being said, the way our justice system works today, those people generally are people who commit very heinous crimes, and that's their first and last crime. Most of the time, when a person ends up going to prison, it's because they've been involved in the criminal justice system for a while, and they've worked their way up to eventually being sent to prison. And sometimes that works for them also. But back then, if you were jailed or imprisoned, as we see here, as him being maybe a jail, the chief jailer also, if you were in that position, what would happen is that you were somebody of importance because generally speaking, you were either a slave, you would have been in the very small, not very large jail because the Pharaoh is upset with you or you would have been killed. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of 20 year sentences handed out. Either you were, you were of a value to the to Pharaoh and he wanted to keep you, but he wanted to punish you and put you in prison or he <clears throat> couldn't trust you anymore and he would have you killed or you would have been sent off into slavery. And that's exactly who Potiphar was. He handled all those things. He handled, handled that butler cupbearer duties. He likely was in charge of all the guards at the capital, at the place where Pharaoh lived. And then he likely was also the chief jailer, meaning he'd have been over the jail that was on that complex that held what we would call political prisoners, people that were of value to Pharaoh, but he wanted to discipline them in some way by imprisoning them. And if you were in prison, then you had only one of two options. Either you were going to be elevated back to the position you were in, or <clears throat> you were going to be executed. And so it would have been a very, it would have been a very scary place to be because just like the Tower of London in London, if you were one of the people that were in that tower, you were there either to be punished and then placed back in your position because you had value or you were to be killed. And this is, this is an interesting place where Joseph ends up. There was a Midianite and they saw the Midianite sold him to Potiphar and Potiphar would have been somebody of great importance. And so if Joseph becomes who he's going to become, he's going to be <clears throat> himself somebody of great importance. And the story begins, and we will begin that story next week. Looking forward to seeing all that takes place as far as Joseph and his life, and then ultimately how God brings about his best for his father, Jacob, and even takes care of his family and his brothers who have treated him. Remember, when people mistreat you, that does not mean that was outside of God's will. That might be the very will God's using to get you up and get you moving where you ought to be. And take that as the opportunity to look for God's will and look for God's plan for you. And if you'll do that, I promise you this, you'll grow, you'll become, and you'll find God's will because he's eminently findable. If you seek him, you will find him, but you must seek him with your whole heart. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.